Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello, ladies. Hello. Ladies. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, yes. Ciao, Bellas. I'm so hyper. I'm so hyper. As Pook would say, I'm soaring. I feel crazy. I keep having conversations in my brain about what I wanted to talk to you about. And then I was like, this is all going to sound so stupid on the podcast, like how I was comparing my love-hate relationship with Avocado to that of Taylor Swift's downfall. And then I was like, it's just going to sound so stupid once I'm not in this silly mood. We could unpack the Taylor Swift avocado thing further if we so decided to. I just think it's mostly about like avocado. I just always thought it was overhyped. But I think that was that's not avocado's fault. It's like the cafe's fault. It's smash avocado's fault. Brunch culture's fault. Instagram's fault, in fact. Meghan Markle's fault. And then I was like, I'm never... Eating that, I'm never ordering it at brunch. It's boring. It sucks. I'm always going to go for scrambled eggs and smoked salmon, no matter how weird some people find that combo. And (laughs) then today there was just this little avocado sitting in the kitchen and I ate it and I fucking lost it. Avocado, lemon. Yeah. Chili. Yeah. Salt and pepper. That's it. On crackers, really thick bits of avocado. Going to add something to that lineup. Bit of coriander. Very nice gorgeous definitely would have done that if I was special enough to have that and I also self not to brag but I will self pickle some red onion week to week gorgeous pickled onion avocado pickled onion salt and pepper lemon chili oil chili 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 yeah pickled onions coriander you're sorted but I do agree like the variance with avocados is so high that I I have trust issues, like, and I feel guilty squeezing mm. them in the shop, but I don't want a bad one. And I, you buy a really ripe one, and then you leave it too long, and then it's disgusting. And, and I have a bit of a like um, phobia of overripe fruit. Like it makes me feel really not yeah, okay. It's disgust. Banana, disgusting. Ugh. Ugh. Yuck. When you open it and it's bruised, I'm like, 
This has ruined my entire day. Zach chases me around the house with the string from banana. <laughs> I'm not joking. Yuck. And it's like traumatizing. Yuck. Because I – and the black bit at the bottom. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so disgusting. We need to talk about something else. Yeah. I feel like something happened to me as an infant with like a bruised banana because whenever I think about <laughs> it, I'm literally traumatized. Okay. Okay. Well, I need to tell you something special mm. that you're going to be really proud of. Yeah. Which I never thought I'd see the day. I used to think how embarrassing, <laughs> how boring. But I also, like you, am giving up coffee. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it might be why I feel so crazy right now. I've got that interim kind of like crackhead energy. Yeah, interesting. Because basically I realized I was addicted to coffee because I had this week where I was like sleeping really well, exercising, eating well waiting to like feel the benefits of it and every day I felt like I had smoked 400 cigarettes and drunk three bottles of wine like I just had the worst headaches no energy exhausted wanted to go back to bed and then it clicked that I just happened to by an unfortunate series of events that happened to not have coffee three days in a row without realizing and I was like this is how much it affects my body it's it's quite insane. yeah it really it used to really fuck with me uh, when we worked full-time in mags because I would go to the office. I just think the 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 nine-to-five grind, really, it's, it's not sustainable. And that's why you rely on things like coffee because I'd be so exhausted having to get up super early to catch the bus to get to work for like eight in the morning, which is just illegal. And then um, – I'd have a coffee the minute I woke up because I was too tired to get out of bed without it. And then I'd have a coffee when I got to the office because a nice little treat to go and sit at your desk with. Yeah. And then I'd have another coffee at 11. And then, yeah, similar thing happened. I fully got migraines and withdrawal symptoms and all these things when I skipped it. I think I'm kind of better now. I sort of have one to wake up, which I'm still having. And then I had usually would have a second, but that was just more about having a little treat than anything else. Yeah, yeah. I love my dad. I meant to so tell I've you So I've switched this. to decaf. Yeah, decaf is fab. We are going to be like leading the charge on the decaf revolution. It's going to become chic, like kin. What's Bella Hadid's like anti-alcohol? Wait, did you see that picture of Bella Hadid leaving Beyonce's birthday? I know it was forever ago. This she just, someone was like, how do you leave Beyonce's 41st birthday at like 4 a.m. looking like this? And Bella just looks so fresh so snatched so amazing and everyone's like it's because she doesn't drink she's had like two cans of kin and just looks <laughs> yeah gorgeous. it's the best ad for kin <laughs> still don't like the name so on the weekend i met up with a couple of girlies who i don't really know it was a little bit of mentoring but i feel weird saying that <laughs> we met up and then i they're younger little cuties insta thoughts and i was like ordering decaf quietly at the counter and then it turns out the girlies both only drink decaf as well. Uh, decaf revolution is, is upon us. It's upon us and they'll become like cool, special decaf blends you can request and et cetera, et cetera. It does also feel kind of crazy. I, I kind of understand how people just think it's kind of crazy to order a decaf coffee because coffee is so expensive, but I just love the taste. It's, it's still ritual. as much of a special treat to me. It, I don't need the, yeah. the boost clearly it's it's the ritual it's the how yeah it's gorgeous also we are as we've mentioned you have made me 
a convert to, is this correct? Just normal milk. Is that what you get in your decaf? No. Okay, mm. I'm back on. I'm back on some normal hot milk in the decaf coffee because I have been like very deep in the Oatly, the discourse anti Oatly movement, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I I do think it's legit <laughs> as non dietitians. The idea is basically because I was going through this period of drinking like a lot of Oatly every day. Like I'd have a big matcha yeah, or a big, a big coffee and latte. a big smoothie or a big like a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a bottle a day or something. Like, like insane. I don't know why I find it so funny. You just crack me up how much you're like in extremes all the time. I know. I know. I'm kind of similar. I was going through so much Oatly because we'd I would have – I was drinking lattes and now I'm – switch to americanos with hot oat milk this is the side story i have to quickly tell you which is that my dad who i adore came over to the house and he was like grace i don't know what to do i'm like i eat so he does eat really healthy and exercises and he's like i keep putting on weight and i don't understand what's happening like i'm working out a lot and blah 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 then we go to starbucks and he orders a large a large like grande latte with yes whole milk. and they're so big and he goes i have six of these a day Six. What? Six grande Starbucks lattes with whole milk. I was like, Dad, that's like <laughs> I was like, I can't even imagine how much like cholesterol or something was in that. So I was like, this is your problem. Yeah. Six? How much coffee Aww. is in that? I thought you were gonna say um six or like he we went to Starbucks and ordered an iced caramel frappuccino or something. Oh, I wish. Fruity Dermot. Yeah. Um, no, just a latte. But um, anyway, the oat, the Oatly slander is that because uh, Oatly tastes so nice, like it tastes so much nicer than all the gross like almond milks and stuff. Yes, because it, it, yeah, it's very creamy. It lists itself as having very low sugar, but apparently the process of oats and milk together creating the oat milk for it to be the consistency it needs to be to froth for the barista blend, it needs to be processed for quite a while and that creates a sugar called maltose which is in beer and apparently it's very very sweet so i don't really eat much sugar and my glucose levels were spiking out of control and i just felt very like hungry really hungry all the time or just like not great and i've discovered it's because of oatly they also say the barista one also has oil in it which just feels random to be drinking for no reason seed oil Mm. this is something there's like a naughty oil. Yeah. In. Please contact your nutritionist for proper medical advice. In lockdown for a hot minute was squeezing my own oat milk. Oh, my God. It's, it's really, really quick and really easy. Yeah. But it, um, yeah. I actually literally can't even remember what you do now. But it's, it's really quick and easy, but it basically just doesn't last very long. So I was having to like squeeze my own oat milk like I was a fucking farmer every morning. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but uh, yeah. So now I'm having like a bit of a bit of whole milk. End of end of story. Well, I actually don't think that's the end of the story because I wanted to to touch on. I don't know why whole milk just makes me feel a bit sick, but then I don't know what else I would have. Like the principle of it. Yeah. 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 Kind of. I kind of like it. Yeah, it's very. It's like very back fresh to- milk from the cow. It feels very <laughs> yeah back to the uh, our forefathers. Yes. <laughs> Okay, anyway, we could talk about clearly this for the rest of our 
lives, but um, tell me about Milano Fashion Week. Milano, it's very sad. Without you, it felt like a very different energy. It felt like very there for business, a businesswoman. Oh, my God. I didn't realize that it was a year ago when you were there was when we were sitting on the floor in the hotel room and I spilt the hazelnuts everywhere and you told the mouse story where I was in like literal hysterics. Yes, that was a year ago. And that was also the the time when we went to a party. Oh, my God. (laughs) I was absolutely obliterated and you took an illegal (laughs) image of me without my consent a man on the street took a photo of us and you looked so cute and you put it on the awd account and i woke up and was like there was a like a whopper with cheese in front of my eyeballs (laughs) that we'd ordered and i'd fallen asleep i know i can't believe you fell asleep before i don't know why we were on such a burger king hit that's like questionable as well because mcdonald's is so good in oh no mcdonald's is so good in france I don't know. Burger King feels random, but yeah, anyway. I think it was the only thing that available to us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so this was a very different vibe. It was very like wholesome and work based and fun. I kind of went very last minute, so I didn't go to a lot of the things we usually go to. Mm. But there was this amazing Moncler event, which was really funny <laughs> because I saw them. Like the Duomo was right next to my hotel. So I saw all these like hundreds of people in white, like two days before the event outside the hotel and they were like dancing. You know what? <laughs> how dancers are just annoying. Like yeah. they'll just be like pirouetting on the street and stuff. Yeah. I was like, who are these people? And then two days later, basically what Moncler did was took over the Duomo and they were created in the year 1952. So they hired 1,952 dancers and they all wore head to toe white puffers and did this like insane choreographed dance routine and they just kept coming and cu- it was just amazing I ended up crying because I just like I just love a synchronized dance I don't know what it is I Sumi know. I shed a little quiet tear <laughs> like they were playing this like swelling <laughs> the one tear <laughs> this swelling Italian music with these like choir singers yeah and it was like 11 p.m at night and it was like raining lightly and these dancers just kept coming out in a stream over and over and over again. It was just, it was incredible. Um, yeah, it looked so good online even. Yeah, it was it was very cool to see. I kept getting my, like, my inbox would be like, a reminder, tonight, the Montclair event. I was like, fuck off, fuck off, fuck <sighs> off. Enough. <laughs> I missed the Dolce & Gabbana Kim Ugh, extravaganza. That was making me laugh that we were there a few years ago. We probably could have seen Kim take her bow. What do you make of that? I don't understand how everyone's just or everyone's just letting them forget about how Mm -hmm. uh racist and just controversial and horrible stefano are both of them i don't know stefano i think it's mainly stefano i think he's the one that said all of the naughty things he's the loud one he literally said um the kardashians were the cheapest people in the world which is quite funny yeah i love that kim was like fuck it fine (laughs) and then but then also i didn't realize uh her so she's basically done a collaboration with them where she's picked, she's gone through the archives and picked all her favorite looks from throughout the years. And that was what the runway show was. That's what the new collection is. Um, but what I didn't realize, her eating pasta in the background as the models walked was a reference to when they were called out. What was it? He he was like being um, xenophobic about 
an Asian woman doing the exact same thing. Someone on TikTok pointed it out. Yeah, what happened was they did this campaign when they were launching like a capsule in China of a Chinese model eating like um, spaghetti and I think cannolis and stuff with chopsticks. And I think at first people just thought it was like an innocent mistake. Like they'd try to do something and it was pretty like tone deaf and not cool, but it was a, a lukewarm controversy. And then as people started talking about it, Stefano got in the DMs and started saying like, fucked up racist stuff oh, that's which right. is i think that's kind of where this whole thing started yeah. and then people brought up a lot of very like conservative and then they pulled their yeah. they had to pull their show or something yes yeah and people thought they wouldn't recover from that but they've stayed kind of quiet and this thing with kim feels like the first big push like the wedding mm. with courtney and now this feels like they've invested a huge amount of money <laughs> in the Kardashians as their, like, saviour to get back in the media. And it is a very smart strategy because everyone's just covered it. It's ev- They're everywhere for the first time in years for, like, a quote-unquote positive reason. Yeah, because a lot of uh, a lot of um, publications just wouldn't touch Dolce & Gabbana when their shows – when they'd put their shows on, they just, like, weren't covered, editors wouldn't go. So, yeah, it's interesting. I think the biggest problem is that they haven't – ever really apologized or owned up to it I think I think it's different to other controversies where you know a designer said something maybe that design has been moved on and then the brand has like had a chance for a refresh I think everyone kind of knows that they seem pretty unapologetic which is where the thing comes from but it's really difficult like brands are so beholden by designers with a lot of money uh, like publications are yeah so, and obviously people are still buying it. Yes, very interesting. Did you like the Gucci twins? Yeah, I was really sad. And I, was like, I didn't realize I had a ticket to Gucci and then I found out that morning. And I was like, get me on a plane to Milan. Ah. Uh, but um, no, yeah, it was gorgeous. It was so cool. It was so cool the way cool they did idea. it. Yeah. Yeah. How was it seeing it properly? I wasn't there. Oh, you didn't go. <laughs> I didn't go to I didn't go to much actually, but um, it looked amazing. Yeah. Their shows are always like so incredibly staged. Yeah, like they're so kind of creative. That one that we went to, where it was the um, where we walked backstage and saw all the models getting ready, and then we went out front and it was the atelier and it was turning. That was crazy. And so I find so those cool. sorts of things like, I think we talked about this last week maybe, but I find that those kinds of shows. Obviously so theatrical and amazing, but really overwhelming. Like I can't mm-hmm. see the clothes. I'm just like I saw nothing. I just had a yeah, blackout. Yeah, yeah, That's what some of the girls who went said. They were like the spectacle was just amazing, but you got to kind of go back and relook at everything to see all the stuff. Yeah. Prada was amazing. Prada was like one of those collections that looked really um simple on mm. like images or from afar and then when – I went in the next day and looked and looked at all the pieces up close. Like, she's just a genius. She, I know it's her and Raph Simmons, but they love, they wanted to work on this idea that clothes that look lived in look cooler on the body. So they purposely created like creases and folds. So they sewed them into jumpers or sewed them into dresses. So they looked like they'd been worn in and just fell on you in a specific way. It's just so very cool. like smart design. Yeah. Love. Okay, we need to move on because much to chat about. So much to discuss. I've been watching on Netflix Heartbreak High, which is this gorgeous, gorgeous Aussie teen drama 
I didn't realize because being from New Zealand or I don't know, is, is it big for our generation or was it like people a little bit older than us? But basically um, it's one I'm very aware of the of it, but oh, I didn't okay. grow up watching it. Yeah, yeah, I had never heard of it. But um, back in the 90s, there was a cult Aussie show of the same name. So this is the reboot. Um, and what's cool about this is it well, a, it came out on Netflix and it wasn't just released to Australia. It was released to the entire world and it went number one in Australia like immediately and then it became number one in heaps of different countries around the world, which is so cute and cool. Um, and there's 11 of them and they're all really diverse. Like it's such a diverse representation of Australia, like even just where they're from, their backgrounds, their ethnicities, their like gender identities, everything. There's First Nations actors, there's uh, non-binary actors, and they were scouted from everywhere, including Instagram. Um, so Chloe Hayden, who was found on Instagram, she's autistic in real life and she's an autistic like advocate um, and activist and on the show she says that she played like a huge part because she's autistic on the show as well her character and how neurodivergence was portrayed through her character and it's just very sweet and I feel like all the actors are actually really good and sexy and what's also cool I just did some reading on it just before um, is that the original show was super diverse as well so it was came out in 1994 and it was celebrated for being really groundbreaking as one of the first shows to feature like a culturally diverse cast and had, yeah, it was exploring multiculturalism and the migrant experience. And there were kids of Southeast Asian descent and Greek and Italian and Lebanese. Um, so it's really cute that it was at the time so groundbreaking and now they've rebooted it and done the same thing and just have modernized it. It's really cute. Amazing. And it was directed, I think a bunch of the episodes were directed by Gracie Otto, who's like an amazing Australian yeah. female filmmaker. So I love it. I can't wait to watch it. I, ju- I literally just started watching it, but I, I didn't have enough time to watch it properly before we yeah. chatted. But I can't wait to see it. I'm so excited that like an Australian production's getting global reach, like you say. Same. so fucking talented. Um, this is the great thing about Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the... the uh, principal i wrote prime minister the principal <laughs> is this funny maori actress called rachel house um she was on hunt for the world of people and boy she's like really comedic she's amazing she she's often cast in taika waititi's films um and in it i noticed that she's wearing a ponamu around her neck which is like a maori um it's a green stone and it like is really uh important has really nice significance for the maori people like in terms of ancestors and um like all of that so it's really cute that she's wearing it throughout the show around her neck that's so special it's so nice yeah i can't wait to see it Um, heartbreak high babies i know and they're all so like gorgeous looking it's just they've done just such (laughs) a good job they've just done such a good job of casting because they're all really good actors but at the same time really good looking and it doesn't feel like it's that diverse kind of box ticking thing they all just work together Mm -hmm. so well and two of them um so they all met on set and now they're apparently like hannah rosie one of our friends wrote a really good piece for vogue where she went to the set and interviewed them all and they shot them all and um they all met like on set and now they're all best friends and but then two of them actually went to drama school together. And when they found out that they got the role, they were together and just freaking out. Aww. It's really sweet. That's so nice. 
amazing. From an amazing, wholesome recommendation to a dark and depraved recommendation. Yes. Have you listened to this at all yet? Yeah, I'm on episode three, I think. So this is a new The Guardian podcast. It's called Can I Tell You a Secret? And it's by Shirin Kali, who did the – she's like a great writer and she did that pod with um, Pandora Sykes about reality TV. I was wondering where I knew her name from. Yeah. And she um, – it's it's about cyberstalking, which, to be totally honest, when I first – read I thought would be just like depressing and (laughs) horrible to listen to which it is in parts but I just I found the story so fascinating because it's it's basically about the worst cyber stalker in UK history and it's this guy who had a pretty sophisticated understanding of the internet and would just kind of like target women he knew who he'd either been to school with or lived in his town and just steal their Facebook identities or like message Uh, people pretending to be them or get access to nude photos and send them to employers like really horrible dark depraved stuff a true incel a true incel but what i was really interested in is when they go into the fact that the guy matthew who's now in jail he's severely autistic he was really badly bullied in high school and so much of like the way he so much of what he's done with this like cyber stalking is tied to people that were very popular or had lots of friends or had really great relationships or seemed really popular online. And it kind of frames it as this story of like we all spend all this time performing popularity and, and being <laughs> attractive and loved on social media. Um, and for people who – I don't know. It just I, I found it very like sad and poetic the idea of this person that can't really understand human relationships, and their way of dealing with that or engaging with that is in this really dark and horrible way. And they go to really long lengths to talk about how like a huge autistic people in general have extremely low crime rates, and it's just not representative of the way autistic people behave. Right, I'm nowhere near any of those episodes. That's so interesting. I'm still at the start where he's, like, terrorizing Instagram influencers. (laughs) Exactly. But they're basically saying, like, he's gone to jail now for nine years, which is, like, the longest sentence that they've ever given someone for cyberstalking. But sending him to jail just won't address the root cause. It's, like, is he just – is it just giving women a break for a few years, then he'll just come out and do it again? Like, how do you actually stop someone? from doing this long-term? Like, what do we do with people like this in society aside from keep throwing them in prison? Like, what's a long-term fix? And I just think that that's, like, yeah, very interesting and sad. Yeah. It's also so – it's also just a failure of the justice system or, like, the policing system because they let it get get that out of hand. So it started when he was in high school and, yeah, he was targeting – Girls in the year when Facebook first popped up, basically, and he would pretend he, he was doing a thing where, which everyone who had Facebook back then will recognize, where you just add a bunch of people and everyone accepts you. And then he would kind of speak to people to get information about other people. And then he would pretend to be one of their friends and say, Yeah, can I tell you a secret? Like, your boyfriend 
I saw your boyfriend kissing another girl. Just try and like wreak, wreak havoc on the school. It kind of sounded like it was just, it's interesting because it's such a plot for a, for a film or for a TV series for that to be happening. Mm-hmm. Felt like a sinister mm-hmm. gossip girl. But these girls figured out really quickly that it was him and went and confronted him and he admitted to it. That was an interesting mm-hmm. thing as well. He got found out really quickly and it wasn't like he was ever trying that hard to hide his identity. Um, but when they went to the police or when they tried to do something about it to kind of intervene, the police were just useless and said there was nothing they can do. Mm-hmm. And that even though he admitted to it, they couldn't prove it. And it's just like him being in jail for nine years now is a result of likely a result of them just and also these women being terrorized. Like one of them is so traumatized mm-hmm. that she can't like walk down the street alone because she's she was stalked for like fucking five, yeah, eight years. Yeah, years. He would like message saying, and it's really interesting because they interview his mom in one of the later episodes and like it literally does break my heart listening to it. Like just the way he was bullied, the things people would do. She talked about stuff like he'd say, oh, my friends are picking me up to take me out to the movies or something. And he'd be sitting at the edge of the driveway waiting for an hour and then they'd like guys would drive up and as he tried to walk, he'd like open the car to get in the car, they'd slam the door and speed off and then do it again, just making fun of him. Like, it's hideous That happened on, what was that movie, 10 Things I Hate About You? What was the one where she was going to go to the ball with the hot guy and then he drove drove past being like, as if you th- oh he like came out of the sunroof and drove, kept driving. It's it's. I don't know oh, if it's ten things I yeah, hate about you. What is that movie? Or or never been kissed? It's something like that. It's one of those films. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and I I totally understand what these women are saying, which is so fair enough. Like they they're like, I just don't feel sorry for you. Like one of them was like, I was bullied in high school. I didn't go and ruin people's lives. Yeah. I don't think it's an excuse, but I also think that like. This is just a person who's so deeply damaged and traumatized. And this conversation about us needing to be like, I don't know. I just, no one is willing to have that conversation about if you're in school and there is a weird kid that's getting permanently picked on and doesn't have friends, like you actually do have a moral obligation to engage and do something about that and be kind to them and show them a bit of kind. I just think like it doesn't justify anything that he did. But the schooling system is just so rife with people that get literally permanently traumatized by bullying. Mm. And yeah. I just think no one really, when those people then go on to do fucked up things, no one's ever willing to look back and be like, oh, maybe the school should have done something better. Or maybe like students do have an obligation to step up when they see that stuff happening. I know. And I think sometimes it's honestly, not that it's an excuse, but sometimes it's honestly just like, because it feels so random at times who gets bullied, kind of. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're just happy it's not you. So you, that's why yeah, you yeah, sit back because sure. you're just like, I don't want to. If you align yourself with that person, you can so quickly be put in the, that position, which is also fucked up. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's like kids mm-hmm. are so fickle and mean. It's so true. This. I remember that as well where like one day when I was in year eight, my like friends just decided they didn't like me for the day and would like run away <laughs> when I try to sit down. Yeah, you're like what and the then, fuck? And then the next day they're like, "Hi," and it was like back to normal. And That's then they did it with someone else. And like you say, I didn't do anything. <laughs> it's just so, but it's so traumatizing. And that's one thing. I'm mm. like, if that happened to you every day of your life for seven years, I kind of understand if you go f- and you're autistic, so you don't like you struggle to understand human behavior anyway. It's fucking. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cruel. Like I've, I have a lot of sympathy for him, even though I think what he did is is just so heinous. Yeah. Um, it's just hard. These we don't want to think about these people in society. I think like we just don't want to deal with the reality of them, so we just prefer not to deal with it. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to listen to more. Um, I was just listening to the one where Jare they were talking about how this cute blonde girls always wanted to be famous, and they were like they were interviewing her years ago. Or whatever. And they were just like, she has 14,000 Instagram followers. And I was like, that's not enough. (laughs) Nowhere near enough. Okay, on to the main event. We have both seen, don't worry, darling, aware that it's not out in Australia yet, so we're not going to do, this is going to be a non-spoiler episode. Did you know that? I feel like maybe we should do a spoiler chunk, but really highlight, like give ourselves a five-minute period to talk about it, because I feel like that's almost the thing that people want to hear about most once they've seen it. Yeah. Oh, God, I keep trying to eat the fig in my drink. I need to hide it from myself. I can see you staring lovingly at the fig. For fuck's sake, what's wrong with me? Okay. I think we need to do a chunk with some – we can talk about spoilers and theories and stuff, but we'll very clearly signpost it so you'll know. And then you can come back to it once you've watched it. Maybe we just do it at the end then. Yeah. So first things first, Don't Worry Darling had a budget of $35 US dollars and its debut weekend it made $19 at the US theatres alone and another $10 globally, making a global tally of $30 which is a really good opening weekend, I think, gathering by the articles I'm reading. It was number one at the box office, which Carla Welch posted on Instagram in a very funny way. And I, I was thinking about it, and I think that obviously the drama surrounding the film is like very lowbrow, and Olivia Wilde would have hated it. But I think it definitely helps to raise awareness for the film. I think people were worried it would, the drama around it would be so intense that when the film finally came out, people would be sick of hearing about it. But I kind of think the opposite. Yeah, a hundred percent. What was your first impression? Like your biggest impression after watching it? Um, I liked it more than I thought I would was probably my Mm -hmm. biggest takeaway. Like I I enjoyed, I think that is what quite a lot of the reviews have been saying though. It's just like, it's just a good, like fine movie to watch in the theater. I thought the plot was a bit 
kind of all over the show. Um, and I thought Harry Styles was bad. Agree. And Florence was good. Agree. And it was beautiful cinematography. I thought Olivia Wilde was really good in it. She was – I've never seen her so good as an actress. She yeah. She was just so perfect for that part, gorgeous, like so compelling on screen. That was one of my biggest takeaways as well is that she's actually a great actress. Yeah, I couldn't concentrate as well as a great director. for the first hour, Grace, because um, my little pea brain, we came into the theatre late. Annoying. I was like even annoyed about that because like didn't get time to settle into the seat or watch the trailers. We literally got there as it was starting and – People had stolen because it was the theater was full, and me and Hannah booked basically we booked two seats uh, um, on either side of this person who was seeing it alone, hoping that they would like shimmy for us. And then, yeah. but we got there, and two people had stolen our seats because they wanted to sit beside each oh. other. And then, at, because we got there when like the, the fucking film was about to start, I was like, God, and I had to tell the like movie theater person to come over and they had to get and that, like the people were so annoying because they could see that we were confused and they could yeah. see that they were it was our seats and they just ignored us i'm just like they'll probably yeah. go away and i was like fuck you quiet quitting yeah. yeah and then so by the time that kerfuffle was sorted out the fucking snack bar <laughs> had shut and i couldn't get any chocolate and all i'd been thinking oh. of the entire time on the way to the movie theater was what chocolate am i gonna have what treats am i gonna eat as i watch this movie and then I couldn't have anything, nothing, not even water. I sat there for two hours, like parched and hungry. And then I, literally for the first hour, I was thinking about how I could exit the theater and buy chocolate without missing any of the movie, which obviously wouldn't be possible. I'm so sorry that happened to you. <laughs> yeah, I would literally want to like riot and find those people that stole the seeds. I know. They ruined your ex- – that movie-going experience of feeling relaxed, feeling happy, oh, having the, the whole treats point. you envisioned. I am. That sucks. I'm very apologetic. I had a similarly not yes. great experience because <laughs> I had a very small window to watch it and I had like a three-hour window in Milan where I could have seen it. The only cinemas in walking distance were showing it in Italian, so I found a dodgy link and watched it on that off my laptop. But I am going to go see it in person when I get back to the UK, oh my UK, god, can so we do Olivia it together? Gets my money. Yeah, let's go together and get there bright and early. Have lots of treats. Yeah, I'll definitely go again. We also need to go and see Blonde, although it's coming out on Netflix. I didn't realize. Yes, I am very sorry to say I have been offered a <laughs> early birds ticket with a friend that I have said yes to. You so, silly bitch. I know, but I'll see it again with you. No, yeah, I, I mean, I could just watch it on Netflix and then. Um, we can go see Don't Worry Darling again. Very happy to do that. So gorgeous. I know. I, I, if it, it felt like, felt like a real movie. Nah, I also so. think if we see it again, when like closer to the Australian release, we could like speak about it again. <laughs> Everyone might be sick of one. it, but I just think I'll be able to tell more from the second screening. I also thought from actually, what was your first impressions? My first, I felt quite annoyed at the review response because I felt like this is my feeling was if there hadn't been all this drama around this movie this is the kind of movie that people would have been fucking obsessed with like a Shutter Island type thing where people are like oh my god did you guess the ending this is so crazy this is amazing like Mm. I just think the actual response to it if there hadn't been all this stuff would have been so positive and this would have been like a mega smash hit 
I don't think it's faultless. Like I think they're a thing. It it seemed to me like it had been cut down. Um. Also. Yeah. I feel like it was like an hour longer or like 45 minutes longer and they cut stuff down for a theatrical release because there were some things that were a bit like, wait, I feel like that. And Kiki Lane has said that there was a lot of scenes that were cut, mainly her scenes, which is fucked up. (laughs) Well, I also, when I was watching it, thought I haven't even watched, I feel like I haven't watched the trailer for Don't Worry Darling properly, but basically Mm -hmm. I was listening to Who Weekly, lol, on my walk just before they were being so intense. I was like, every time I listen to them, I'm like, I need to meditate afterwards. But um, they were saying that in the trailer, Kiki Lane is like a prominent feature as if she's going to be a main character. And then she's barely in the film at all. And I thought that as I was watching the film, I was my first reaction, like genuinely was, it feels a bit tone deaf to me to have like this black actress play this kind of it felt like a token part and she and she just felt cut in a way that I was just like it feels so random that the cast just isn't really that diverse at all and they announced Kiki Lane it was like they hired a bunch of people there was backlash about the casting being so white and then they announced Gemma Chan and Kiki Lane and then Kiki Lane wasn't at Venice which I thought was crazy because I was like oh she must have been busy but now I've realized she must have been not invited because she was barely in the movie, which is so fucked up. But that Sydney girl's barely in the movie and she was like That's in the middle of the red carpet. And she's front and center. Yeah. Maybe she refused to come because she realized how I feel she like, was in it. I feel like that makes more sense. Um, I think Chris Pine and Jimmy Chan were brilliant in it. It also makes sense now. I think I was basically, I still have beef with Harry Styles being cast um, at all because I just think it's, it just, it's, there are so many actors in the world who who try their whole lives and are really, really out there hustling. And then just for this cute musician to get a leading role in a project because he's a cute musician just annoys me. And But I was thinking, why is Chris Pine not in that role? But now I realize that Chris Pine's role was actually more important and like harder. And Harry Styles' role, he's just this charming mm-hmm. husband for most of it. And I actually think that when he is just doing the – when he is just like – a simp for Florence Pugh. He he does fine. Like he's he's charming. Yes, I agree. He, this sounds really stupid, but I feel like his face acting is really good. Like I think for the at the start you didn't really see he didn't talk for quite a bit, and yeah. I was like, oh, he's pretty good. As soon as he starts talking, it's like drama, high school student vibes. Like his delivery feels very. I don't know if the word is forced. You can yeah. sometimes I feel like you can even see him thinking about his lines, and his voice is so random. I know. Like I get that he has this weird inter intercontinental accent because he grew up in the UK and has lived in America and has toured around. But as an actor, you gotta like settle on an accent and deliver it in the scenes. Because I was so distracted by how he speaks. I was like, why does he speak like that? I know. And also, what's funny about it is obviously he can't. Because Florence Pugh is English. She's yes, she's British. So she has a British accent. She's doing an American accent to like for the film. And obviously Harry Perfectly. Styles is not an yeah. actor, so he can't do that. So he's speaking in his normal British accent. And so they actually even bring it up at one part. They're like, what is it with you Brits? Or like, whatever. I was just like, just get uh, a fucking American actor. I was like any, any actor, I think, instead of Harry. Because that's someone... <laughs> Someone tweeted that it feels like all the actors were acting well in different movies. 
And I was like, that's kind of true. Like, we'll talk about Kate Berlant in a minute. But she was so good and funny. But it was yeah. almost like in a comedy version of that story. And then Florence was doing the, like, melodramatic. Florence and Olivia, ironically, had the best chemistry together and the best. Yeah, they were to great me, together. Like, when they were, they, they were interacting, they kind of really, the movie stung in terms of what the whole point of it was. Um, whereas, yeah, like, even Sydney. Why do I keep wanting to call her Sydney Sweeney? I know, I don't know. Sydney her name. Sweeney was just, again, like, not a great actor. <laughs> you was just, just like, I'm timid, I'm timid, I'm timid. I was just like, okay. Yeah. It. Yeah. Kiki Lane was amazing. Chris Pine was, was amazing. amazing. Gemma Chan was amazing. So underutilized, Gemma Chan. Olivia Wilde was amazing. Like, it was a, it was a good casting. Yeah. I'm like very interested now. I don't know why I can't get over. I think Shia would have been great. I, think I actually Shia don't actually made the movie really. Yeah, I was thinking about that today when you said that to me. I was thinking today that I think because he's so I don't know. I I'm used to thinking of him in such a dark way. Not even because of all these allegations. Like just he he's such a deep actor, and and I feel like that husband part needed someone really charm like for the most of for mo- for ninety percent of the movie, the person was like charming, and otherwise then you would have. Like known faster, I don't know something earlier on. Yeah, that's true. But I think Shy is just a, a very good actor. Yeah, he's such a so good he actor. would have just brought nuances to it that would have felt like. Yeah, and surely he can play the charming, affable. Like I just don't want to see Shia going down on Florence Pugh. I hundred percent agree. I'm glad <laughs> we were spared. We were spared that. Scene. Yeah. Who else? Wait, we should think of who would have been. Oh, uh, my mind's going to draw a complete blank about like a young male actor. Like Timothy Chalamet, no, 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 no. Tom Holland, no. I can't believe these are the only two actors we have. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet more than Harry Styles because he can act and he, they're of a similar, like they're so interchangeable in their vibes. Except Jacob again, Lordy? yuck! <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. No, he's too sinister Dev Patel, as well. perfect. Yeah. Dev Patel would have been great. Yeah. 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 Tom Holland, he's a bit young. Cole Sprouse, he can't really act. <laughs> Just get Robert one of the heartbreak heart- Kai kids, honestly. Yeah. Um, Miles Teller, maybe. He's actually a pretty good actor, even though he's very annoying. Mm. So Harry and um, Olivia are still together. I know they did that little smooch. It was really cute. Yeah, so she was dancing at his concert wearing a gorgeous white dress. And she cried, did you see? She, like, wiped some tears away. She's so jada and cute. What? Because he played 15 Because, like, one of his songs, like, made her cry. I don't know. Oh, okay. Because she was there on the night that he was awarded with some award, like, (laughs) made-up award. What award? Literally made-up award for playing at the same – for that same – arena for 15 nights in a row or something which is also crazy if he sold that out 15 nights in a row but don't just make up an award and then yeah they were papped kissing really cute on the street tiktok conspiracy theorists were saying olivia called the paps i was like i don't care Uh, just you know what enough (laughs) enough enough i've literally just had enough of people being psycho about olivia Wilde. i'm just like people are kind of turning weirdly or i'm seeing like a few people I, i went on when she was on, was it Howard Stern? She was on, Colbert, I think. Yeah, she was yeah. on something, some talk show, and I was watching a snippet on TikTok, and people were, like, giving her shit in the comments, of course, 
But then a couple of people were being like, oh, it annoys me, but she's actually really pretty or she's actually really well-spoken. I was like, yeah, you silly twits. Yeah, she handled that interview incredibly well. She said, which is so fucking true, and Colbert said, which I love him for, he said, even if every single thing, which is like basically what I think we were trying to say last week or so when the Miss Flow stuff came out, like – Every sing- if every single thing that she's been accused of doing is 100% true and, like, the worst-case interpretation of it, it's still, like, nothing compared to what most male directors do and we love them for. Like, Quentin Tarantino nearly let Uma Thurman die by letting her drive into a fucking tree with no harness on and she was, like, traumatised for life and still has a neck problem and he does these, like, scripts that use the N-word so gratuitously over and over. Like, you know what I mean? And sexual violence and... Like David O. Russell, whose movie is coming out right now, is accused of like molesting his transgender niece. Like there's just all of these male filmmakers get like a tenth of the shit she does. And what she's accused of is like literally not even that bad. Yeah. Is, Is it perfect? No. But I'm like in the context of Hollywood, it's just crazy. She's held to this like insane standard. I actually missed this whole thing as well that 40 of the, or like basically all of the crew who worked on Don't Worry Darling, mm-hmm. signed a statement saying that allegations of onset uh, drama were completely false and people were saying it was actually quite, to the contrary, one of the most peaceful and kind and serene film sets we've ever worked on. Yeah, and said that like accusations that she was unprofessional are like, really outrageous because she was so professional. And Yeah. I'm glad the tide's turning a bit. But I do feel I feel sad for her because I just think there's an alternate universe in which people are like super obsessed with this movie. Yeah. Um, whereas it feels like most people are being like, oh, actually, it's pretty okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so a little mini segment in the middle of this about Kate Berlant. Yeah. The podcast started with a poog mention and it's ending with a poog mention. So she's one of the co-hosts of Poog, which is the podcast Grace told me about so long ago and I listened and hated it the first time I listened and then listened back and fell in love and now I religiously listen to their banter. But I had one of those moments where I completely watch our our listeners have said about us before that they mixed our faces up before they saw us speak in real life and I had mm. that with them. I thought they were the complete opposite. Really? Mm. Yeah. I thought Kate was the really, really chatty, enthused one on Poog, but it's Jacqueline. That's Jacqueline, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Kate Berlant, she's, she's, they're both comedians on Poog, but uh, this is her f- like first pretty major film role. She's, she's one of the main wives um, in Don't mm. Worry Darling. I, I thought she would be on screen way less than she was, and she, yeah, did and really she's well. Great in it. Yeah, she's so, <laughs> really she's so great in it. Um, and then at the same time, as Don't Worry Darling was released, her first ever like filmed comedy special came out on Hulu called Cinnamon, Cinnamon in the Wind. And I am like in the middle of signing up to Hulu to watch it. But I just think because those are both coming out at the same time, Vulture just did a really huge profile on her. I feel like she's just going to become bigger and it's great because she's very cool. She's so um, like striking as well. There was a I can't remember like a Seth Meyers late night chat show she did. Did you see this where she talked about how she had one line in a, an episode of Lizzie McGuire when she was like, no, <laughs> and they went over it twice. But she's so she's just so funny off the cuff. He was like, 
are you okay with me showing it? She was like, I demand that you show it right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean, yeah, she's she's so funny. Excited. Her and John Early, who is so fucking funny as well, he's the really funny guy from Search Party. Mm. Oh, fuck, I need to get back into Search Party. They're like besties and they had this comedy sketch show on YouTube like 10 years ago and it's really, if you look it up, it's really funny. It's just silly. Love. Yeah, we need Silly to kids. we need to definitely see her next time she tours the UK. Yes. It's cool that she cuz she sure. said I was reading the Vulture profile and she's just yeah, hilarious in that as well and she said that she kind of refused to do any filmed comedy specials cuz she was like I just think comedy belongs on the stage or or, or especially just during mm. covid when it would be that like online comedian thing was really taking off. Um, and I actually blew yeah. up so many comedians' careers, like Benny Drama and um, what's his name? Firstman? Jordan? John? Yeah, John Firstman. Yeah. I thought I saw him swimming at our hotel yesterday, but it was just like another Hot sexy gay. gay Italian <laughs> man in Versace sunglasses. Love. Um, okay, wait. Should we do some DWD spoilers? Yeah, so from now on we'll talk about things that are spoilers and if you haven't watched it yet, wait and come back when you have. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> ciao, ciao. Ciao. Okay, what did you think of the twist? Did you, did you see it coming? I guess I had in my head that there was a twist, so I was kind of thinking about that. Yeah, I know. I, I mean – Okay, to be honest, I, like, genuinely don't really get what's going on. Like, I do get what's going on in the sense that, like, they're a couple in real life. They had no money. He lost his job. She was working too much. He finds out about this victory project thing. So what did he do? Because Florence is – so. As everyone knows, because everyone who's seen this, who's here has seen it, which is quite a, like, freeing thought. Yeah, a free and safe space. No, just as yeah. in, like, you don't even have to explain it because everyone's seen it. But she's, she's yeah. like, asleep in what I'm assuming is their room or knocked out and, and in this simulation thing. What did he do? Did he bang her over the head with a pot and then she – and then – puts her in this thing and then where does he go when he's during the day do they have jobs in real life for chris pine what has the plane got to do with anything because kiki lane's kid also was pulling a plane along okay here's my understanding of it he she's working and he's a bit of a like what do you call it like a beta male can't get a job, staying at home on his computer all the time, greasy and kind of doesn't shower and just that classic idea that we have of like an incel. And he starts listening to like a Jordan Peterson-esque Andrew Tate-style guy that is basically talking about like in the 1950s, men had this kind of real role and had a – um, you know, provided for their women and masculinities in crisis and men should be able to blah, 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 which is all like a very real thing that exists on the internet. And that this- Do they show that at any point? Do they show him getting into those incel holes? They show him listening to Chris Pine talking about that stuff while he's at home on his computer all day. 
And right. Florence Pugh's like killing herself at work and he's saying, I'm trying to get a job, but I can't get one. But the vibe is that he's probably not trying very hard. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea is, which is why I feel like maybe they cut some context out of it, but I think the idea is that he eventually through this rabbit hole of being like a mega fan of this guy gets invited to be part of an experiment where they get to take on more old-fashioned alpha male roles and they're told your wives will love it. They don't realize they'll love it, but they won't have to work and they'll have this beautiful home and blah, 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 blah. But it's all in a VR simulation. And then they, when they go to work, I assume they go and work for this guy, Chris Pine, in the real world, like helping him build his business, doing something. And that was kind of the job he could get. So he's paying for access to the simulation by like working, Mm. stepping out of the simulation to work in real life. But yet all the wives have been basically knocked out, (laughs) put in a coma and tricked or somehow tricked to get in there because they don't realize that they're in there. I think the plane is literally meant to be – just like fuck-ups in the simulation because it's not very sophisticated yet. Right. Um, so those mistakes with the eggs and the things and the shaking uh-huh. and stuff is about that. But I don't necessarily understand how it relates to her with her kid. Maybe she, like Kiki Lane, maybe like maybe like the kid's toy inspired what the husband built in the workplace with the plane and she recognized it and put, I don't know, something put two and two together but the idea is she realized the kid wasn't real because the kids aren't real in the simulation and took Uh, the kid out to the desert uh uh-huh so that's why people like there's so many plot holes i was like i don't feel like there's that many plot holes i just feel like there's a lot of context we don't have yeah it's not super obvious super well explained (laughs) yeah it's not super obvious but i guess that's kind of that is the makings of sort of a good film when it's not really obvious and people go away and figure it out and think about it. I've never seen The Stepford Wives and I really want to watch that now. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I only watched it. We should watch it. The Nicole Kidman one years ago, yeah. Yeah. What did you think of, like, the incel twist and Harry as an incel, like, did you like it when you saw it? Were you like, what the hell is happening? Um... Made me sad. <laughs> I was like, I want those two to be happy yeah. and live happily ever after. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I haven't thought deeply about it. What did you feel? Apparently I saw on TikTok because the whole thing was that this script won a competition of like best unproduced script or something because like in Hollywood basically people write scripts all the time. They get bought for like either a lot or some money but most of them just sit on a shelf and never get produced. Um, and some screenwriters literally have an entire career and make a lot of money off writing scripts that are never actually made mm. into movies. This script won an award that they do each year of like voted the best unproduced script and that's why Olivia Wilde fought for it. And apparently in the original ending, Florence ends up basically goes back into the real world, discovers that like incel Harry Styles has faked her death, which is why she's been stuck in the simulation for so long. And then ends up at like a mental hospital. And then Olivia Wilde as Bunny comes and visits her and says, we're still in the simulation. You can leave through that door or something. 
So I think in the original script, there's like more levels of it explained. Yeah. Um, Like the Gemma Chan thing, I was like, that just felt so random. Like I was like, where did that come from? (laughs) Yeah. You haven't set up anything about her and him and their relationship to understand why she would suddenly stab him. I found that really random as well. Um, Yeah. I feel like, I think, I don't know. I think Olivia Wilde kind of, said so much about it being this movie that really examines the culture and, and I don't know, feminism and all these things. And I just think that for a lot of it, it kind of didn't really, or it didn't do that good of a job of it. Like most of the film was just Florence being like, am I in a weird place? Yes, I am. Mm. Am I? Yes, I am. Here's another example. I agree. There was a lot of a lot of that. It felt like a lot of that could have gone. Yes, and then the ending could have been, yeah. Again. Okay, yeah. So, you girls, please leave us your – please let us know what you thought. Comment on uh, – Yeah, theories, <laughs> yeah. thoughts. Wait, the last thing I will say that I saw someone say, which I was like is true, is they said they were just desperate for a, like, Chris Pine in real life review. Like, yeah, weird, yeah, exactly. A weird kind of losery incel in real life or not. Like, that would have been so cool to see. Yeah, I think we needed to see more of the real world for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Even just seeing for Harry sure. looking all disheveled like that, I was like, this is great. He pulled that off well. He did, yeah. And I get that he was a good choice because you've never seen him like that. So yeah. it did feel kind of Yeah, so, so put more of that. Exactly. Um, Shia would have been so good as the incel. I know. Fucking it's hell. literally just him with his fucking beard. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.